0: Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Shike. Hey people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. Today, we're going to do something that I don't know if I've ever done before, and that is share with you uh, a piece from someone else that I think, uh, well, I want to get your thoughts on what this guy says. The guy is Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman is a graduate of Harvard University. He is a billionaire and a strong supporter financially of Harvard. And so when Bill speaks, Harvard listens. And uh, Harvard has been in the news quite a bit since October the 7th. So I want to read this piece. It's a 4,000-word piece. I'm not going to read all 4,000 words. In fact, I'm not even going to read half of what he says, although I'm not going to take anything out of context, be assured of that. But uh, nevertheless, I want to get your thoughts on what Bill Ackman says about his alma mater. And really, these things apply not only to Harvard, as he says, but apply to uh, many other universities around the country, including probably our own University of Nebraska here in Lincoln. So let's take a listen to Bill Ackman. He says... I first became concerned about Harvard when 34 student, Harvard student organizations, early on the morning of October 8th, before Israel had taken any military actions in Gaza, came out publicly in support of Hamas, a globally recognized terrorist organization holding Israel, quote, solely responsible, unquote, for Hamas's barbaric and heinous acts. How could this be, I wondered. The protest began as pro-Palestine and then became anti-Israel. Shortly thereafter, anti-Semitism exploded on campus as protesters who violated Harvard's own codes of conduct were emboldened by the lack of enforcement of Harvard's rules and kept testing the limits of how aggressive, intimidating, and disruptive they could be to Jewish and Israeli students and to the student body at large. Sadly, anti-Semitism remains a simmering source of hate, even at our best universities among a subset of students. A few weeks later, I went up to campus to see things with my own eyes, and listen and learn from students and faculty. I met with 15 or so members of the faculty and a few hundred students in small and large settings and a clear picture began to emerge. I ultimately concluded that anti-Semitism was not the core of the problem. It was simply a troubling warning sign it was the canary in a coal mine, despite how destructive it was in impacting student life and learning on campus. I came to learn that the root cause of antisemitism at Harvard was an ideology that had been promulgated on campus. An oppressor oppressed framework that provided the intellectual bulwark behind the protests. The more I learned, the more concerned I became, and the more ignorant I realized I had been about DEI, a powerful movement that has not only pervaded Harvard, but the educational system at large. I came to understand that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, was not what I had naively thought those words meant. I have always believed that diversity is an important feature of a successful organization. By diversity, I mean diversity in its broadest form, diversity of viewpoints, politics, ethnicity, race, age, religion, experience, socioeconomic background, sexual identity, gender, one's upbringing, and more. What I learned, however, was that DEI was not about diversity in its purest form, but rather DEI was a political advocacy movement on behalf of certain groups that are deemed oppressed under DEI's own methodology. Under DEI, one's degree of oppression is determined based on where one resides on a so-called intersectional pyramid of oppression, where whites, Jews, and Asians are deemed oppressors and a subset of people of color, LGBTQ people, and or women are deemed to be oppressed. Under this ideology, which is the philosophical underpinning of DEI, as advanced by Ibram X. Kendi and others, one is either an anti-racist or a racist. There is no such thing as being, quote, not racist, unquote. Under DEI's ideology, any policy program, educational system, economic system, grading system, admission policy, even climate change due to its disparate impact on geographies and the people that live there, that leads to unequal outcomes among people of different skin colors is deemed racist. As a result, according to DEI, capitalism is racist. Advanced placement exams are racist. IQ tests are racist, corporations are racist, or in other words, any merit-based program, system, or organization which has or generates outcomes for different races that are at variance with a proportion of these different races that they represent in the population at large is by definition racist under DEI's ideology. After the death of George Floyd, an already burgeoning DEI movement took off without any real challenge to its problematic ideology. Why, you might ask, was there so little pushback? Well, the answer is that anyone who dared to raise a question which challenged DEI was deemed racist, a label which could severely impact one's employment, social status, reputation, and more. Being called a racist got people canceled. So those concerned about DEI and its societal and legal implications had no choice but to keep quiet in this new climate of fear. The DEI movement has also taken control of speech. Certain speech is no longer permitted. So-called microaggressions are treated like hate speech. Trigger warnings are required to protect students. Safe spaces are necessary to protect students from the trauma inflicted by words that are challenging to the students' newly acquired worldviews. Campus speakers and faculty with unapproved views are shouted down, shunned, and canceled. These speech codes have led to self-censorship by students and faculty of views privately held but no longer shared. There is no commitment to free expression at Harvard other than for the DEI approved views. This has led to the squashing of conservative and other viewpoints from the Harvard campus and faculty and contributed to Harvard having the lowest free speech ranking of 248 universities assessed by the foundation of individual rights and expression. When one examines DEI and its ideological heritage, it does not take long to understand that the movement is inherently inconsistent with basic American values. Our country, since its founding, has been about creating and building a democracy with equality of opportunity for all. Millions of people have left behind socialism and communism to come to America to start again, as they have seen the destruction leveled by an equality of outcome society. The E for equity in DEI is about equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity. DEI is racist because reverse racism is racism even if it is against white people and it is remarkable that i even need to point this out racism against white people has become considered has has become considered acceptable by many not to be racism or alternatively it is deemed acceptable racism racism against whites is as reprehensible as it is against groups with darker skin colors martin luther king's most famous words are instructive He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But here in 2024, we are being asked and in some cases required to use skin color to affect outcomes. As such, a meritocracy is anathema to the DEI movement. DEI is inherently a racist and illegal movement in its implementation, even if it purports to work on behalf of the oppressed and DEI's definition of oppressed is fundamentally flawed. Having a darker skin color, a less common sexual identity, or being a woman doesn't make one necessarily oppressed or disadvantaged. While slavery remains a permanent stain on our country's history, a fact which is used by DEI to label white people as oppressors, it does not therefore hold that all white people generations after the abolishment of slavery should be held responsible for its evils. Similarly, the fact that Columbus discovered America doesn't make all modern day Italians colonists. An ideology that portrays a bicameral world of oppressors and the oppressed based principally on race or sexual identity is a fundamentally racist ideology that will lead likely to more racism rather than less. Then he goes on here and uh, specifically applies this to Harvard and what Harvard should do now that its uh, president has resigned how Harvard should hire a new president and all of that, and uh, but that's where we'll close. So my, my thought is, um, what do you think of what he said? I know it's kind of deep. You might have to listen to it twice to kind of catch what he's saying. But his basic point is that these uh, systems of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which you may have experienced in your workplace or in the place where you go to school, that the, this whole concept is racist and needs to be done away with that it has uh, really become a scourge of our society. What do you think about what he said? Before I close, I thought it would be instructive because these lists are maybe a little bit difficult to find to give you uh, a sense of some of the 30 some Harvard student organizations that came out on October 8th as pro Hamas. uh, you might begin to see uh, some kind of uh, unifying theme around these different organizations. I'll just give you, a. a, don't know, I'll read 10 or 12 or so just to give you an idea. The African-American Resistance Organization, Harvard Arab Medical and Dental Student Association, Harvard College Pakistan Student Association, Harvard Divinity School Muslim Association, Harvard Middle Eastern and North African Law Student Association, Harvard Graduate School of Education Islamic Society, Harvard Graduate Students for Palestine, Harvard Islamic Society, Harvard Law School Justice for Palestine, Harvard Divinity School Students for Justice in Palestine, Harvard Kennedy School Muslim Caucus, Harvard Kennedy School Muslim Women's Caucus, Harvard Kennedy School Palestine Caucus, Harvard Muslim Law School Association, Harvard Pakistan Forum, Harvard South Asian Law Students Association, Harvard undergraduate Arab women's collective, Harvard undergraduate Muslim women's medical alliance, Harvard undergraduate Palestine solidarity committee, and the list goes on. See any common themes in that list of organizations at Harvard? I, I'm not familiar with Harvard. I didn't go there. I got some friends who went there, but I, I didn't go there. But uh, some of my classmates in high school went on to Harvard, but. I'm um, I didn't know those organizations existed. I I don't follow Harvard, but anyway, uh, it was interesting to me that uh, those are the organizations leading these pro-Hamas demonstrations. So there you go. Um, Well, just wanted to get your thoughts, wanted to get your comments, um, ideas on what Bill Ackman has said and on DEI, maybe as you've experienced it. So um, write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. Let us know uh, your thoughts on Bill Ackman's statement, on your reactions to it, and uh, your experiences with uh, DEI and how uh, that might um, either line up with or conflict with a biblical worldview. Remember as we close that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Thanks for joining us for the podcast.